I'm Paul Bristol, and over the last year, I've been working with the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network, hearing stories of positive community-led change. In particular, I've been looking at how some of our adaptations during the pandemic build towards a better future. How we travel locally has shifted significantly, many more people opting to use bikes for transport and exercise, and there's a feeling we may be seeing a real moment of change. I'm talking with Harriet Cross, a senior development worker with Como UK, a national charity promoting the public benefit of shared transport, working with communities and companies to develop and support local transport solutions. Harriet has introduced me to Tim Hughes of Dunblane Development Trust and Jude King from Aran Eco Savvy, so we can explore the success of e-bike schemes in Scotland over the last few years. What's worked? What difference can it make? And what lessons can others learn from what's been done? Here's Harriet to tell us a little more about the work of Como UK. Thanks, Paul, for the introduction. Uh, Como UK, we are the national charity supporting the development of shared mobility for the public good. And by shared mobility, we mean modes of transport that can be used more sustainably by being shared. So, for example, car clubs, bike share schemes that you see in cities and towns across the UK, ride sharing and demand response transport. All of these are solutions that help move us away from a dependency on cars, which is critical in a climate emergency. KMUK works with organisations, local authorities, businesses and communities to develop these shared mobility solutions through various ways, such as providing guidance, technical expertise, sharing best practice and running accreditation programmes. We also publish research into the benefits of shared mobility. Uh, For example, our recently published annual UK bike share user survey, which interestingly shows that bike share schemes are a catalyst for a renewed interest in cycling, so getting people back on bikes. My role specifically is based in Scotland and I support communities here to develop shared transport schemes, normally bikes and cars to meet specific objectives of the local area. For example, creating low-cost travel options and uh, more sustainable ways to travel around. But what I really want to talk about is community-led bike share and the impacts that schemes are having and can have in Scotland. In this context, when we talk about communities, we mean, uh, for example, registered climate action groups running environmental projects in the local area, community councils, development trusts, which are partnership bodies offering benefits to local communities and social enterprises. Um, See, I I look forward to digging a bit deeper into all of that. Every community is different and helping to collaboratively develop bespoke solutions is part of what Como UK is there to do. In in Scotland, I mean, there are already over 200 community bike share schemes. Um, lots of them have, have started either because they've noticed a transport issue in their area, or they want to kind of have a specific objective to get people more fit in the area. That's probably the key to community bike share is sort of identifying specific needs that bike share can then address. And so we support groups to kind of really think about their own objectives. So, for example, perhaps a community has identified that there's lots of people who are trying to access employment and job opportunities, but transport is maybe too costly or they, they, they just don't have provisions in place to get to an interview. So some schemes have set up projects where people can borrow a bike and use that either for free or, or low cost and they can get to that job. 
interview using that bike and then you can open it up for wider use there's really these kind of opportunities to think about how needs can be addressed and so we walk communities through that process either by kind of a feasibility process or helping them pin down funding streams to make it happen you know who could be involved what partners could be useful and and that's really critical because obviously we all know community development is under-resourced and not a lot of funding available so thinking about kind of strategic partners and who could bring something to to a project is really useful and we have lots of guidance that we that we can give community groups as well as setting up opportunities to share best practice so we run some webinars where groups can can talk about the lessons that they've learned uh the challenges that they've faced you know any pitfalls uh, that they've encountered and kind of and, and share those with other groups we do quite a lot of signposting so for example there's a group up in Huntley the Huntley Development Trust who have flourishing bike share scheme and Stuart Masson who runs that he you know he knows everything from the hours required to maintain 16 bikes and, and therefore can pass on that quite detailed knowledge to other groups and we set, kind of set up scenarios where they can share that or recommend a group to another group and I, I suppose even though lots of different schemes exist for different reasons there are key elements that we suggest groups consider to make quite a successful bike share scheme and and Huntley is a good example of 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 one who's done that by thinking through different cost options for example for people to access the bikes. Getting the bikes in place is only part of the process and Como UK understand the next steps and support for local infrastructure that can help ensure local schemes are a success. There's something around bike share where, okay, it's great if people get on bikes, but actually what are the safe routes around the area? And there probably are some routes that people can use. We we tend to suggest, and groups are doing this of their own volition anyway, that there's almost in tandem with setting up a scheme, you sort of, lobbies maybe too strong a word, but you, you think about who to work with to improve the local infrastructure as well. So that's kind of going alongside setting up a, a, a pool of bikes that people can share. So there is that safety element. And then alongside that, so that's, you know, we're talking about access, infrastructure, but also buddy rides. So kind of thinking about, is someone not that confident about getting on a bike and therefore wouldn't join the bike share scheme? Okay, how can we overcome that barrier? Projects like Edinburgh and Lothian's Quality Commission, Regional Equality Commission Council, sorry, in Edinburgh, they got some funding to pay volunteers to to be buddies to people. So if you wanted to borrow a bike but weren't confident about your commute, you know, A to B, someone could come with you. And we've seen through some projects that we've supported, Project in Glasgow, Bikes for All, uh, has really good rates of getting lots of different people on bikes who don't normally ride bikes. Uh, that's through this training offer, this kind of one-to-one support. That's something that we can help groups with, but also is sort of fundamental, I think, to to having a good successful scheme within a local area that people can have trust in um, and come to. Covid may have pushed bikes and bike sharing to the fore, but the momentum has been building for some time. In Scotland, we've been really lucky that there have been different funding streams available for communities to set up bike share schemes and in the last three years the energy saving trust has had the e-bike grant um sustrans has had funding cycling scotland has communities funding and that's definitely created lots more groups setting up these schemes what, what i see my role is then to support those schemes to develop in the way that the community sees fit but also in the last year i've been really busy because because of covid 
active travel has taken, in my opinion, slightly delayed at centre stage more than it has before, uh, mainly because the people are being discouraged from using public transport. Something about bikes now seeming seeming kind of a solution to those transport problems with COVID. And then we, we know from our own research that when people get on a bike for leisure, for example, during lockdown, people were riding a lot more, particularly on the Edinburgh bike share scheme which is more of a corporate one. When they try it for leisure, they then incorporate it into their lives for other journeys. More people are getting a sense that a bike's a good way of travelling around if they didn't think that already. And then the other is an awareness of the environmental impacts that bike share can have. And I think that's kind of becoming more prominent and, and communities are seeing it as a way to tackle local issues. And I think probably that combination of, of things has caused a, a development of the number of groups. While that initial push for local transport solutions is often driven by grassroots organisations, it's important to make connections right across the community. Communities aren't necessarily working in isolation of of their local surroundings and the kind of organisations having a role in that setting. So some schemes, communities partner with councils. In fact, if you're putting in docking stations, for example, or you need to put in storage, you do need the council to be on board. That sort of partnership working is really important. Sometimes we suggest kind of partnering with a local bike shop to help manage the maintenance of bikes, because ultimately you want to keep the bike safe and your riders safe and your bike safe. So kind of having that in place is really important. As you might expect, Harriet's a keen cyclist herself and aware of the sorts of challenges that Como UK are there to help groups address. I do really like cycling and since having a child, I've had different different additions to my bike, so a bike trailer, you know, child seat on the back and I'm based in Edinburgh, so trying to be quite bold about where I go cycling and, and there, there are really good cycling paths, but there are also, there's a lot of work always going on in Edinburgh, like trams, lines, uh, and that can kind of get in the way of, of a smooth smooth experience but it's made me slightly more aware of um, how these schemes that communities are setting up are really well placed to deal with yeah the local needs of people and 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 weaving that into a scheme I mean I use the Just Eat bikes but I also have my own bike uh, the Just Eat bikes sorry in Edinburgh but I guess that's why bike share is also really good as it can complement ownership bike ownership so Como doesn't think it should be repla- replacing ownership bike share could be a really good way to kind of join up with existing transport uh, public transport options like your bus or the train also lots of people live in tenements and might not have storage or or not live in tenements but you know don't want to have to store a bike or maintain a bike they just want to borrow a bike and I think that's a really powerful thing that bike share can do but also with the schemes that I've supported and the schemes that I've met there's a social element as well because they're run by people who live in an area you know they've got buy-in they kind of care how the scheme develops they they know Um, what's needed they know that there's an air quality issue perhaps within the local area and have maybe been campaigning to to improve it you know setting up a bike share scheme can can help with the environment that they live in and I think that's that's why I'm I find bike share really interesting in the community setting and what it can do from a social point of view and there's all the training rides and the the events that people hold where people can come and meet the people running the scheme or or have a test ride on the bike and I think all of that is, is is a really nice addition to the to having a community bike share scheme there are ways to run them that suit more rural communities versus bigger towns and and como that would look at kind of what the best type of scheme is when you chat to jude 
and Tim, they do, they're in sort of slightly, uh, slightly, sorry, less populated areas. They have more the loan model. So people can borrow a bike for a week or so and really get a kind of a really good experience of what using a bike's like. And they might go on to buy their own, which is a great result from the project. As the success of local schemes continues to build, Como UK is already looking to the future and what next steps might be required. Some work that I'm doing at the moment is to try and look at how to make community bike share schemes sustainable. So many of them understandably are reliant on grant funding. And that's great because it can offer subsidised access for people to use the bikes because the funding might cover the costs of, of using a bike. But thinking about how to support community groups to think about these being a long term viable transport option is something I'm really keen to do and to think about these sorts diverse income streams that communities could play with to try and make sustainable transport option if that's if that's why what they were setting out to do with their community bike share scheme but also what would be quite interesting is to see so for example i know this is potentially happening in the borders there are lots of different groups setting up bike share schemes in different areas but thinking about how those groups can complement each other so you could go to a village or a town use their bike but then you could easily go somewhere else and use another community bike scheme and the experience to be seamless so a bit more collaboration but I think that there, there does need to be some more longer term funding options as well for, for community groups and I think capturing the impact that's happening really really demonstrating how these schemes can lead to long-term behavior changes uh, of users how they can effectively reduce car dependency and capturing the carbon reduction uh, carbon reduction as as a result of of using bikes and therefore not using cars i think those sort of things are what i'd certainly be keen to put my time into exploring with with many of these groups but also responding to the some groups want to set them up for a particular reason and yeah just kind of learning from them in the process and we're going to do some of that learning right now with the first of two conversations with folk who have developed and delivered successful e-bike schemes within their communities this is tim hughes of Dunblane Community Development Trust. We've been going for three years. We got one bike, a first bike by chance through a, um, a funding we had from the Scottish government to upgrade a community centre for uh, energy efficiency. And there was a clause in the agreement that we had to promote active travel to the centre. So we cheekily asked for more money for an electric bike. <laughs> And we got one. And from that, uh, we, we got another one through a different funder. And we've been running that for two years now. And it's been a steady increase in numbers of people taking part. But COVID, as we all know, COVID brought this incredible increase in people's interest in cycling. And it, most of it related to getting exercise, going for cycle rides, which is, is, is fine. But the purpose of all this is obviously to try and get some kind of behavioural change. But we had such a demand, we had to <laughs> limit loans which we run for um, a week at a time. Of the 70 people who took part, about 22 got their own electric bike. Well, one presumes that they're using it and some, it's quite clear, they're using it for everyday activities. So there is there is some kind of impact we can demonstrate. From that, we've 
we've moved on a little bit. We've got three more bikes through more funding. Uh, we've recruited more volunteers. It's all volunteer run. All pretty enthusiastic and experienced cyclists, but we're just trying to, I'm just trying to familiarise them, them with the processes. We do charge for, we have a, a service charge. It's not really a hire scheme, but a service charge so we can cover our costs for maintenance and that sort of thing. And so they need to know about that and how to book trials. So we, we start off with people having a supervised trial and supervised uh, bike rides. And we offer longer bike rides while they've got the loan to take them on roads so to try and improve their confidence on cycling amongst traffic. Tim has seen that change in behaviour over the last year and hopes to build on those positives when the e-bike scheme restarts. What has been maintained from COVID is definitely more people cycling around our community. You know, kids, families, kids cycling to school, you know, on the roads. What we're not really seeing, we're, we're, we're a community of very high car usage. It's hilly, like the rest of Scotland, the weather can put people off. But we have some interesting uh, infrastructure that allows people to cycle quite long distances to, say, Stirling, six miles away from Dunblane for work or whatever they might want to do without mixing with traffic. So, yeah, it's coming on. Uh, and we just want to have this emphasis on us, if you like, providing some cycle training for adults. You know, there are a lot of resources around for teaching kids how to change their bikes from a toy into a tool. We've got to start doing the same with adults because most people think of a bike as a leisure toy rather than a travelling tool. Attitudes are changing and there is more infrastructure to support cycling. But it's about more than that. It's about what happens on the road itself. I think the big thing that's got to be addressed now is certain sections, road sections, which are high speed. They're, they're short distances between local communities, but they are very intimidating. During COVID, a lot of towns put out ad hoc cycle lanes and they're all starting to remove them because they're irritating the motorists. And if you're a driver, I mean, it's very easy to be irritated by a cyclist who's going along at 10 miles an hour, but we need to get them used to it. And I, I think it's not just the infrastructure, it's reducing speeds dramatically. After a few years running programmes, Tim can reflect on what the challenges are, particularly around sustainability of services. I think for a loan scheme, it's very important that's trying to get behaviour change. It's very important that people don't think of it as a hire or a rental scheme, but it does cost to run it, even if it's volunteers. So they have to pay, they have to pay something. And I think to try and set up a, a free surface is unrealistic. You can get grants to buy bikes and other equipment. You can't usually get grants to keep running it and paying for your annual services and that sort of thing. So you've got to think very carefully about that. And that links to another challenge. It's important to protect your, your equipment. I mean, there's several things to, the ways to do that, but you, you've got to be prepared to have some of your bikes out of, out of service so they can be serviced. And I think if you, if you, if you get very popular, it's very tempting to keep, to keep going, to, you know, to take a bike in the next day, send, send it out, and you can get into to problems pretty quickly with brakes and such like. You definitely have a responsibility, whether you're run by volunteers or a professional business, to make sure that your bikes are in good order when somebody 
borrows it. They've got to understand what their responsibility is in caring for it while they have it out. We're trying to get up to people having a bike for four weeks. Now, you can do a lot of damage to a bike in four weeks, depending on the sort of cycling you do. And we just have to accept that. But if it comes in not right, we've got to put it right. The other thing is it's very difficult for fleets of bikes even with charities to get insurance right we've got insurance associated with the community center just like i've got my bike my personal bikes associated with my house insurance but that's really only for when they're locked away in a secure container but when they're out with um, low knees the loss of the bike that's the major thing you can never insure for damage to the bike really i'm always asked this question and i said well i don't have an answer because i've not seen anything in the a policy that tells me how well insured our bikes are. I've just got an agent saying they are. So, The more successful the scheme, the more maintenance is required. I think all, all we can do is to get everybody up to a state where they can diagnose when they've got a problem. These brakes need new pads or the chain's stretched or whatever. And we have a local dealer who we have a, a, a sort of service contract with um, on the basis that they will be serviced every thousand miles. And then that can be quite an expensive business, <laughs> particularly when you need new chains or tires or whatever. So, and wear and tear is, is a bit greater in a, an environment like ours. There's lots of hills. You've got um, inexperienced cyclists with their hands on the brake levers most of the time coming down the hill. <laughs> so I, I, I thought that really you need to have professional support for the more, and particularly with an electric bike, the electrics are not something that we should fiddle with. Community e-bike schemes are generally more about culture change rather than providing ongoing transport options for regular customers. So I was interested to hear how individuals who have enjoyed using the bikes were supported to make that change. The idea is you, 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 you try them out. You don't come back and hire them again, because, if you like, or thinking of hiring. Although we, we have done it. We've had repeat... Uh, episodes but we really want people to change you know if, if you want to get a bike for your own use then buy them and we give a lot of advice about e-bikes i mean you can get ours are, maybe this comes again into the the challenges or the issues that pe other people should always consider if you if you want a bike for hire you need a good one a reliable one you know that's quite robust and you've got a local dealer who you could it's got a short distance to get to to sort out any problems you have our bikes are more expensive than people really need to spend on an e-bike. So we have we can point them in different directions as to where they might look at things which might be more affordable for them. Tim lives within the community his scheme serves. I wonder if he'd seen that positive change in people. Yeah, I think we've had some nice some nice comments spontaneously. Um, there was one on Facebook that said, you've changed my life from a, a lady who works at Stirling University and wanted to think about cycling into work and she got her own bike and that's what she does now. <laughs> You've changed my life sounds like a pretty good review to me. From Dunblane, we're heading southwest now, over to the Isle of Arran, to hear about the work being done by Arran Eco Savvy. This is project manager, Jude King. We are a community and environmental charity based on the Isle of Arran, just off the west coast of Scotland. Very small island, but we have a population of 5,000 people. We run projects that tackle issues in 
waste, energy, water, travel, food and climate literacy. I came on board with EcoSavvy in 2017 when we were first awarded climate challenge funding from the Scottish government to replicate our community and secondhand shop around eight different locations around the island to reduce travel, uh, social isolation. And that was the first of many projects now that we've delivered. The one that I'm going to be talking to you about today is the uh, our e-bike focus. So the way that that all began is that we were looking at our next uh, Scottish Government Climate Challenge funding project and we were looking um, at the travel and transport issue here on Aran. That is because we're an island, we are rural, we have lots of issues and there's a lot of individual car use that isn't good for carbon emissions, isn't good for people's financial situations as well and our bus service is very limited. Um, so there are lots of ways that EcoSavvy can help residents reduce their carbon miles, um, save money. And we came up with e-bikes as, as a project to focus on. And we were holding a meeting with our community and we had someone from our local council come along to that meeting. And quite significantly, she let us know about an energy saving trust fund that would allow us to apply for e-bikes that we could then run a scheme through. The only catch was that the deadline for that was four days from when we were meeting. So us being very, very ambitious, we decided to whip up an application and submit that and we were successful. So that allowed EcoSavvy to buy six e-bikes. And at that time that we were applying, we had no office or proper shed space, proper e-bike tool um, kits, uh, people that knew a lot about the maintenance, all of that kind of thing. We were, we were starting from absolute scratch. So we had to be quite creative in the way that we planned the project, especially with not having the storage and shed space. So we decided that because we are so engaged with the different businesses and workplaces on the island, we could set up a scheme that allowed employees at those workplaces to have long-term trials one about one month and the bikes would always be at their homes or at their workplace. So that kind of helped us overcome the storage issue that we started out with. Of course, then COVID has changed things and we focused more on key workers and the e-bike project has kind of evolved from there. But that's kind of the background and the way that it was set up. Today, I can say that we have engaged with 43 workplaces on the Isle of Arran, 193 employees within those have received the benefits of using the e-bikes for one month and a lot of them have gone on to buy e-bikes to actually make that permanent switch to sustainable travel. There's more to Aaron's success than just the numbers though and Jude sees a real cultural change too. We like to call it the e-bike effect. Uh, it has taken over our island community here. Everybody absolutely loves e-bikes. And obviously the pandemic had um, kind of got people focused on active travel. And we could see from recent figures that cycling has drastically increased. Um, so that's helped, good weather always helps. But what we've seen is um, just our community embracing this form of active travel 
Probably because it combats uh, the notoriously challenging terrain that we have here on Aaron. It's very hilly and it's very challenging um, to overcome if you're not an avid cyclist and you don't have massive leg muscles <laughs> um, to overcome all of that. So e-bikes help overcome that challenge and obviously there's health benefits as well as the low carbon benefits but I think for EcoSavvy we'd always focused on the environmental educational low carbon aspect of things and this was one project where the health benefits and the fun factor kind of outweighed not that we weren't achieving the carbon benefits, but it kind of outweighed that need for marketing it with all the, the other aspects. So that has created this big, we call it the e-bike revolution here on Aaron. And um, the we also have a range of models to overcome different or varying levels of fitness. And we have an e-trike as well to overcome mobility issues. So we have such a broad range of offering that it's meant that the community can really embrace it. Anybody can embrace it. And it's just, we've had a fantastic re reception. With such a positive shift in progress, I wondered if there was anything that was still presenting Ikusavi with challenges. Yeah, the only thing that we kind of wish we could make more of a change in is our active travel infrastructure. For those that have been to Aaron, um, you will know that there's one main road for Aaron and we have to share that road with everything that wants to travel on the road, lorries, uh, cars cyclists strikes everything so it's quite a challenge in terms of people sharing and being considerate and for the less confident cyclists that are attracted to the e-bike phenomenon um, some of that road confidence and road worry does affect that so I suppose one area that we would love to make more of a difference or receive more financial support and investment from Scottish government would be active travel infrastructure and cycling roads for these these rural areas um, so people can feel safe and we're not encroaching on on space that really isn't isn't big enough to share. Shining a light on stories of personal change is an important part of behavioural and cultural shifts, and Aaron Eco Savvy have made sure to collect and record the impact of their scheme. There's been one project participant which has a really interesting story. He got involved in the project when his car failed its MOT and he didn't really have any travel um, options other than using public transport which through covid was very limited and not appealing so he decided to trial one of our e-bikes did that for a week realized how he was saving money but then also was able to plan his days he was cycling to work and was just getting so many um, benefits from doing that. So he just felt happier and less stressed. Six months later, he is an e-bike and cycling addict. He's saved £600 in road tax and insurance, plus around 100 in fuel. And as a household, he and his wife have decided to give up one of their cars and really make that commitment. It just shows that there's so many benefits if you just give e-bikes a chance or even just a regular bike a chance um, and how that can just become your way of traveling. And there's a rationale for that change. 
As an island community, Arran is more aware of the challenges presented by the climate emergency and transport. We're getting um, alarming predictions around in 10 years that 50,000 more vehicle impacts will be happening on Arran. There's lots of things that are being predicted here on Arran, which our island can't cope with. So by us helping residents make better choices, hopefully then we can create a new social norm, uh, encourage better infrastructure that then can then shape behaviours of visitors that then come to the island and overall then reduce you know, their carbon impact and get some of the benefits that you see in places like Amsterdam and places where cycling is the norm and people are happier because of it. Eco-savvy are on the road to making that vision a reality. I asked Jude for any advice she might have for other groups, and she was able to reflect on some of the areas which are exactly where Como UK are able to help. So if I was to give advice to other community organisations thinking about setting up a bike share scheme, I would say planning and not underestimating the time that it takes to set up and run things safely and effectively is really important. At the beginning of our e-bike journey, we vastly underestimated the time that it would take to source the right e-bikes, do that research into our audience, how long they would want batteries to last for, would they want a step through bike, would they want mountain bikes, understanding the, the different areas of terrain that would mostly be cycled on. There was just so much research to do before even committing to buying them, then finding the right supplier. Because we're on an island that is challenging, there's not a lot available locally. So that's also just something that we hadn't, we weren't aware of. So added to the whole setup time um, and was unanticipated. So yeah, advice would be around that. And then in terms of it's a big responsibility. These people are taking these bikes out onto the road. You need to keep them to quite a high standard of road worthiness. So having people within your organization, whether they be volunteers or trained members of staff, for them to be adequately equipped with the skills, knowledge and tools to maintain these bikes to a high standard is really important for your insurance, uh, for the safety and enjoyment of the users. So I'd say the maintenance as well is, is, is an area that you should always estimate more time, more resource for. Uh, we had unexpected issues around um, water ingress on the electronics of, of some of our e-bikes, for example. So we had to get specialist help to, to help fix that aspect. And then if your e-bike scheme is as popular as ours has been, they will depreciate quicker and need more maintenance. So all of that needs to be adequately estimated. So that would be a very uh, important area of advice uh, for other groups. Ecosavvy's commitment to active, shared and sustainable travel is a cornerstone of their new projects and future plans. So next step. So we are, we've just come to the end of a two-year project, um, the Sustainable Island Life Project, which had so much focus on sustainable travel. It was not only 
e-bikes that we were looking at. We developed Aaron's first green transport map to help educate around what routes are available to people here on Aaron to help visitors um, know what cycle routes and walking routes they can take. We also launched a lift share scheme to try and take some of the roads, uh, the cars off the roads and make more efficient use of the cars that are on um, and traveling daily around the island. Um, that we hope to resurrect once COVID restrictions are a little less tight. Another aspect that we've delivered is maintenance points on in two areas of the island, the north and south ends. So we have Grease Monkey tool stations so people can fix their bikes at those stations and get knowledge from within our team to be able to do so. And we are delighted that we've been successful with a bid from the Smarter Choices, Smarter Places Pass for All Fund, and that will allow us to build on what we've established here on Aran, um, specifically in Brodick, the, the main village here, um, build a bit of an active travel hub. And we are really appreciative to John Matthew at Elric and Scottish Communities Climate Action Network for enlightening us about the Cycle Buddy Scheme that's delivered through um, your projects there. We're hoping to incorporate something similar because one thing that has come through to us from the community is just that confidence to do this as a, as a daily norm, confidence to go on the road and stand up to cars that are overtaking too fast. And often that confidence is built with um, someone that travels daily and has done that for uh, many years. So that's what we hope to support the community with next. Uh, we're also in partnership with our local bike hire station here and the bike hire will be loaning eight of our e-bikes for the summer season. So we are going to be support, indirectly supporting sustainable tourism through that, but it also brings in some of that financial sustainability that we talked about um, that's so important to um, keeping these projects going. So that's a really exciting development that will be happening uh, very soon. Jude is clear that active travel has a role to play in the economic and social recovery of post-COVID communities. Using e-bikes and cycling and active travel or maintaining all of that positive aspect um, as we emerge. It's really important in the recovery of it all. And that's something that we're trying to really promote here on Aaron. Um, and I know that it's not just environmental groups that are trying to promote this, this island businesses are trying to promote the sustainable travel and cycling on the island. We have the economic groups, the recovery groups on Aran really pushing for this and for people to not bring their cars to the island anymore and um, come and appreciate the nature through active travel here on Aran. So that's been a really important aspect. Another benefit that, or an unexpected outcome of the project was that we set up an e-bike charge network and that's something that other groups could maybe do so basically we have got now 22 businesses around the island signed up to the recharge network which basically allows people to charge up their batteries within these local business premises so a lot of hospitality outlets um, and we are just giving a code of conduct 
and a sticker that they can signpost um, that they are they are part of that network. And it's also creating that visual aspect for visitors that come to the island. Um, they can, it's a cycle-friendly island. They can even charge their batteries within these local establishment. And it just creates that active travel uh, change and a norm that we want to see here on the island um, for many years or to come or permanently. I'm lucky enough to get to speak to lots of committed and passionate people who are part of making things better in their communities in a time when we need that positive change more than ever before. So thank you to Tim Hughes of Dunblane Community Development Trust and to Jude King of Aaron Eco Savvy for sharing some of the wisdom they've acquired on their community transport journey. And if you've been inspired to become part of the change in your own community, then Harriet from Como UK is here to help. Thanks very much, Paul. Uh, I guess given Jude and Tim have provided brilliant insights into the realities and, and the benefits that can come from running a community bike share scheme, the only thing left for me to say is that if anybody, any of our listeners want to find out more about how to set one up themselves, connect with other projects or join our forums where a lot of the stuff um, that you've heard today is discussed and shared among among our members. Please do get in touch at harriet.como.org.uk. At